Thank you for listening to NSL Double Talk. Never stop learning. At Never Stop Learning, we connect you with engaging experts who join you and your friends or colleagues in conversation at a location of your choosing. With NSL Double Talk, we are bringing the Never Stop Learning model directly to you. Each podcast will feature two experts in conversation on topics that range from global affairs to wellness to arts to innovation. Sometimes the experts agree, sometimes they don't, but we will never stop learning and never stop laughing. How come you're perfect over there? Because you're adjusting this on me. NSL Double Talk, featuring Kelly Rutherford and Emily Winter. Their topic today is resilience through experience. Kelly is best known to television audiences as Lily Vanderwoodson on the hit TV show Gossip Girl. She has also starred on Dynasty, Melrose Place, Homefront, and E-Ring. Her latest project is the Pretty Little Liars spin-off, The Perfectionists. Emily is a writer and comedian who chronicled the lessons learned from her 100 professional rejections in the New York Times. She's also written for The New Yorker, NPR's Ask Me Another, TV Land, and Glamour. Winter hosts two Time Out Critics Pick live comedy shows in Brooklyn. Back Fat Variety, and Side Ponytail. Her podcast, How to Produce Live Comedy, reached number one in Podomatic Training Podcasts. We are so excited to welcome Kelly and Emily to NSL Devil Talk. Hi, Emily. Hi, Kelly. I want to hear about this article that you wrote for the New York Times. Okay. <laughs> well, um, <laughs> at the end of 2017, I almost got my dream job, which was writing for The Daily Show, and then I didn't get it. At the beginning of 2018, I was like, I'm going to make myself do 100 professional rejections in a year, or collect 100 professional rejections as a way of pushing my comedy and writing career further. But how do you even do that? How do you even get 101 rejections? I feel like as an actor, you probably experience more rejection than any other field. I don't call it that. So you're calling it rejection. <laughs> <laughs> you're just more of a positive person. If I called person, it I that, I'd be in trouble. <laughs> I'm always looking for ways to make things work for me <laughs> instead of, I'm just going to act like I chose this for some reason. Why did I choose it? And why is it happening? Did you get the 101 rejections? I, oh, I you ended up for probably getting great jobs. I got Jeez. 104 rejections. <laughs> see, um, you did it. Okay, good. I did it. I okay. did it. And I got 43 acceptances. See? So yeah, see? it was great. Amazing. It was so great. But when I was was up. I remember the pilot season that I got Gossip Girl. I so wanted this Darren Star show because it was all people my age, women my age. Mm-hmm. And I thought, oh, this is so great. Finally, they're doing a show about women in their 40s and they're all amazing. I had just had my son and I was exhausted. You know, I was like a breastfeeding all night and like, you know, trying to do pilot season and trying to do everything. I kept going back and trying to convince Darren Starr that this was, was this perfect. Lipstick Jungle? This was Lipstick Jungle. Okay, I remember that. So, look, we're playing a game. Now, was this? I know. I interned We're doing for... charades together next time. <laughs> <laughs> I was the assistant to a Vogue editor my like my first year in New York, and so I felt like my whole 20s was like, I love Lipstick Jungle. See? I loved Gossip Girl. I know. Yes. Okay, all right. Yes. So, anyway. So, I went in, stood on my head, couldn't, they just, Kelly, I'm sorry, we're going a different direction. I was like, fine. Fine, I'm going home to my baby and my husband at the time. And so then about a week later or two weeks later, I get this call, can you come in for this thing? I was like, okay, I just got another shot. They're like, can you just kind of run over there? I was like, fine. I went with my hair wet and back in a blazer and jeans with my son. I didn't have a babysitter. And thank God he was in his baby seat and asleep. So <laughs> I went with him into the room. 
in Culver City, this tiny room, and literally read off of the page. Like, I had the script in front of me, and I just basically said the lines. And by the time I got home, they had offered me gossip. It was one of those things where you, you learn to trust because I am so thankful that I ended up doing Gossip Girl. I feel so blessed. Lipstick Jungle went nine episodes. Right. You know, it was a great show. I thought it was great. Did. But Gossip Girl went, you know, almost six I years. Was it was this iconic role for a mother, someone that we hadn't seen a mother that way. It was just such a joy to do. It was so fun. So I always think we're redirected. I tell this story a lot to people because... If you just learn to trust, sometimes the things that are for you are the easiest. You just walk through the door, and you know you're supposed to be there. It's the most bizarre thing. And the other things that we keep trying to push or force aren't for us. We're sort of not listening to our inner guidance system or the, the part of us that we learn to trust over time. When you're talking about like inner, like that innate knowing of something, does that feel a particular way for you? Is there like a way that you describe that feeling or is it so unknowable or just so nebulous that you can't describe it? It just feels good. Just something feels right. It feels good. It feels right. It's like an algorithm, I think, Mm -hmm. of feeling good. It's like when you're feeling bad, worse and worse and worse things happen. It's like you just keep attracting worse and worse versus when you're feeling good, There's an algorithm that happens. You keep attracting the good, and it's like thoughts are the same. And it's science. It's just the law of attraction. It's sort of the more you think of good things, the more good things happen to you, and the more you kind of go down that other side. In comedy, when you're writing a joke Mm -hmm. or you're in flow, I would imagine, as a writer, doesn't it feel you just know? Is it yes, a knowing too? and then okay. I'm wrong. <laughs> oh, I can all be <laughs> no, wrong. A, no, <laughs> but it is, it is so interesting. Right now I'm writing new stand-up because I just got engaged and I'm planning my mm, wedding and we're planning it really quickly. Thank you. So I'm, I have all these jokes that I want to tell about marriage, but I live in Brooklyn and that's where most of my shows are and that's where all of the indie comedy is. So kids in Brooklyn do not want to hear <laughs> about my wedding. So I'm like, you know what? I think I have to trust this feeling and I think I need to take this feeling to Manhattan for a yes, minute. Yes. It's part of why I wanted to count my rejections to like make them flip the script and make them be good. So like yeah. you sort of win by losing. Um, so that's kind of why I set out to do it because I was like, I think I'm onto something here, but I'm yeah. not sure the rest of the world is is with me yet. It's like the new Nike ad. <gasps> How amazing is that new Nike ad that's Which all one? about, you know, they're going to tell you about being oh, crazy, yes. about being crazy the during yeah. the Oscars. Yeah. Wasn't that so good? It was <gasps> wonderful. Oh my gosh, it was amazing. So yeah, sometimes we feel like that. Sometimes we feel, why isn't this working right now? Or we're ahead of ourselves sometimes. And we have to sit back and sort of, it's, it's a little like wanting something. Mm-hmm. It's like the excitement of, the, a desire for something. And instead of seeing the lack of it being there, see the excitement of it coming. It's like I'm making something now or you're saying I'm writing this and it so resonates with me about my wedding, right? Mm-hmm. Or funny things because there's a lot of comedy around marriage and weddings and kids. Oh, Wait till the kids. <laughs> and then it is, you're right, it's finding your audience. It's like where is it vibrationally connected to you right? versus trying to make it work in a way that people aren't there with you vibrationally yet. I like how you're talking about vibrations and you're just, I feel like we're on similar tracks, but you're so much more spiritual. And I'm like, what? I'm older. Somebody- 
Do you feel like do you feel like that it's positive to fantasize about and like daydream about things happening, like getting a part or getting something new? Do you find that that's negative? I've actually had fights about this question with other people. Is it good to fantasize about the future that you want, or is it? I think it's the only thing we should be doing. Great. All day long is fantasizing about what we want. I think the other stuff is a waste of time. Does it make it harder when it doesn't work? It is working. We don't believe it is. It is working. It's like looking forward to a romantic evening. You know the evening's there, but it's 8 a.m. and you're like, oh, but I can't wait. Like, I can't, I'm excited. And it's like the whole day you're floating, right? Mm-hmm. Why not make your whole life like that? You're just floating around waiting for all these wonderful things to happen that you're visualizing and stay in this sort of state of creating. Mm-hmm. It's what we're here to do. It's all around us. And we learn through contrast. It's like in relationships, we do the same thing. We look at the person, why aren't you making me happy? Why aren't you making me happy? Because it's not, not my job to make you happy. Yeah. It's my job to make me happy and therefore increase your joy. And we kind of bounce off each other with our joy and our creativity and our creating. We love each other because we see a reflection of that other person being creative and creating and full of love. You know, we aren't here just to do that for each other. Right. We're here to do it for ourselves and therefore bounce kind of off of each other's energy. It's like atoms. It's like science. It's spiritual, yes, but it's also just science. You know, what's drawn to what energy, and why? Yeah. It's it's vibration and energy and sound. And so to answer your question, yes, I think that's where we should spend all of our time. Oh, that is wonderful. <laughs> that makes me so happy. What do you feel like post-Gossip Girl, which is something that you ended up loving doing— just responding to your energy and sort of being in tune, how has that helped since then? I think a lot of my learning has come through going through tough times. I think with all of us, you go through a tough time. And so you're searching for, you know, you think, why did this happen? What did I do? How did I create this? Did I deserve this? What, you know, is this, again, a product of my time? Like whether it's the Me Too movement or this was just an era is everything corrupt? In all of this questioning, you you make a decision. I either don't get up in the morning. and that I've does, done that. Right? I've done it too. <laughs> I'm opting out of I've today. I've done it too. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to have a day. Yeah. It's going to be in bed. That's fine. Um, or you, you think, okay, well, that's not serving anyone. It's mm-hmm. not serving my kids. It's not serving the world. It's not serving me. I'm not contributing. It's like it doesn't serve anyone to be in that place. Though I think sometimes those things happen to wake us up. I'm sure you never would have written this article had you not experienced some form of rejection or what you call rejection, right? Yeah, it was so weird having kids who just started comedy come up to me and be like, you're a rejection girl, right? And I'm like, "Ah, okay, that's fine. Sure, I guess I am, yeah. Yeah. But it's actually been a lot of fun because I feel like people don't talk about rejection. They don't talk about just like anything negative. Everyone's just like put on a happy face and it feels so cathartic to just be like, yeah, I was rejected a million times and I'm fine and I still have a good resume. You turned it around. You used it. It's like, how do I use this and turn it into something good? And you wrote this article that has helped so many people see it in a different way and understand that we all experience it. 
So sure. how healing. Now you were saying you it might be now a series or there's people interested in creating like a... We're just in like the beginning and, stages of what would this be as a TV show and like pitching it out to a few networks and seeing if they're interested and, you great. know, but I think it's the thing that I'm learning is that it's what it is, is taking the negative and making it positive. Like yeah. you can win by losing is sort mm-hmm. of the ethos of the show. Right. Um, so however we spin it, I think that's sort of at the at the... That's what grounds it. That's so um, cool. And that's what's connecting me to kids. And it's been really fun, like, getting emails from people. When you're in the New York Times, people just find you and uh. email you. I got so many emails from moms. They're like, my kid is a struggling actor in L.A. And can you email her? And I'm like, no, that's weird. <laughs> but it's so sweet. Yeah. So. To be able to create a platform where you can kind of do that would be great. You know, you yeah. can respond to a bigger audience. True. So I'm good. enjoying uh my weird rejection thing. I don't know. Oh. Um, what are you working on now? You came in talking about something. Yeah, we did 10 episodes. It's a spinoff of the show Pretty Little Liars, oh, Marlene King's that. show, which yes. is amazing. And they're doing a spinoff called The Perfectionists. Cool. Is it same cast of like main two, girls? Uh, okay. Allison, there's two, a couple of, Janelle's on it and Sasha's on it. Okay. So two of the characters um on it, and then the rest are new young people that are amazing and, and wonderful. Who do you play? I play Claire Hotchkiss, and she runs the school. She's really into tech, and her daughter went missing, so she created this sort of system. What is it? God, here I am talking about tech. I have no idea. But it's security and reconnaissance where she has cameras everywhere, oh, and she cool. knows everything that's going on. And it's a very rigid school where everyone's trying to be perfect, has to be the top of their game, and how nobody really is, Can you hit. know. And no matter how many cameras you have, life is life, you know, and people are going to do what they do. So it's kind of an interesting modern take on, you know. So it's, it's fun. Pressure to be perfect. Yeah. I feel really bad for kids like applying to college right now and just they're like having to make videos and like what is your thing when you're 17? When I was 17, I was like, my thing is I'm 17. I, yeah. I don't know. I play on the softball team. You like that? I have good grades. Like I, it's just, it's insane. How did you end up writing comedy? I was a journalist in Wisconsin and I knew that I loved to write, but I didn't know. I don't know. I feel like when I was growing up, all the big comedies were men. It was all mm. men and it was all like Adam Sandler movies. And I didn't like comedy because I didn't like those movies. I didn't really think there was much for me. So I never really thought about me being able to do comedy. But after college, when I was reporting in Wisconsin, I just kept writing comedy scripts in my spare time. I ended up applying to intern at the Colbert Report and then moved out here to New York. Uh, Yeah, to do that. And then I was like hooked and I was like, I gotta, I gotta do this. I gotta, I gotta write. I gotta be a part of this world. And then I was just way too scared to get up on stage for years. And then it's just so hard to get these jobs. And so many people are like, I'm a writer and I'm not a performer. And I'm like, yeah, that was me. You just got to bite the bullet and do it. And now I love it. I like so now you perform, you do yeah, stand up yeah, or been, you do. I've been doing stand up for seven years. Um, wow. and a lot of stand ups are, you know, they're like stand ups and actors and I'm more of a writer stand up. Yeah. I love it so much. And now I cannot imagine my life without it. Like I mm. feel like I need it to be complete because when you're writing all day, you're kind of isolated. Even if you're writing with somebody, you just mm. feel a little crazy by the end of the day. And then to be able to get up in front of 50 people at night and connect, it's the perfect end to a day. You mm. know, it's just a great balance. Such yeah. a good balance. Wow. Yeah. 
how how did you know that you wanted to be an actor? Well, I didn't want to go to college. <laughs> Where did you grow up? I wanted to get away from home. I grew up in California, pretty much, but we moved a, around a lot when I was a kid. So I went to a lot of different schools and. My mom wanted me to be a lawyer. I thought of being a journalist, more international relations. I always thought politics were fascinating, Pe- just interested in people, mm-hmm. just in general, how why people do what they do, kind of psychology or journalism or a combination of those two were interesting to me. And then when I was 17, I moved to New York to study acting. I had done like drama in, in high school, but I didn't take it too seriously. You came out here to act, and then you just, you've just you been in New York, based here ever since? Well, I moved here to do Gossip Girl. So before okay. that, I was in oh, Los okay. Angeles, you know, working on different series or, you know, flying to do, you know, Vancouver or wherever the series were. My family's in L.A., and I grew up in L.A. primarily. And, and, um, and then I moved to New York to do Gossip Girl, and I just loved it. I stayed, you know. I was so just in love with the city and what it offers up. And I love to visit L.A., and I love to go back if I'm working, but... It's so fun in New York. People really support each other in New York, and things happen fast. And if you're an impatient person like myself, it's Mm -hmm. really nice. (laughs) How do you think? So that's so interesting. What do you mean things happen fast? Well, people respond quicker. They get things done quicker here in New York, I think, than a lot of places in the world. There's a in-the-moment instant I find that, you know, I'll text someone, and no matter how busy they are, they respond right away, and they're— just with resources, they're generous. They're mm-hmm. ge- people are generous in New York City, I find. Other places you go, they're like, okay, that's great. And okay, well, let's do that next week. Or we'll put that on the calendar. Or like, I'm like, well, why don't we just do it now? It'll Be take good. 20 minutes. Just get it done. Not even yeah. 20. Let's just do it. Let's just make that call or do that thing. So there's that, you get used to that that I, I haven't found anywhere else in the world. Other places offer up other wonderful things. Right. But I really like the spontaneity and that the, the people come together and really are there for each other and network with each other in a way that's so generous. Hmm. That is yeah. fascinating. I've never lived in LA um, and yeah. I'm from the Midwest. So I just assumed that everything was going slower. I just assumed it was the pace of those particular places. I didn't realize it was a New York thing, but I like that very much. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it seems that's at least what my experience has been. I I love it. I I am addicted to New York. Yeah. I know. It's wonderful. I'm so interested to know if, do you feel like these sort of crazy times that we're living in politically change anything about the way you approach your roles or the way you pursue different jobs or anything like that? I don't, I don't know. No, to me, it's really necessary, everything that's happening. Yeah. I just believe that. I believe that sometimes things appear to be, you know, childbirth is an example. It's a mess. And yet this beautiful baby comes out of it. You know, you have this screaming woman and you can't control it and you can't do anything about it. It's going to happen. What comes out of it's it's really the most incredible thing ever. You know, it's the ultimate creation. So I think right now we're seeing a, an old system crumble and it's not fun because we're like, oh, and can we just get through this part of it and to the other side? Yeah, I think it's just natural. I think where we're going is, is perfect in every way and it's necessary in every single way. And all this technology that's coming is... We're all being prepared. We're going somewhere. You know, look at how we've been evolving since, I mean, you know, look at my grandparents and if they could see where we are now. I mean, going from horse and buggy to car to airplanes to now we're going into AI, which is, it's perfect. It's how we're supposed to evolve in this intelligent system that we're in. We may not understand it and it might be scary at times or overwhelming at times, but... I do know it's an incredibly creative, intelligent system. 
I think there's just old ways of thinking and new ways of thinking. It's just education. It's just our education has been a certain way. I think you can connect up with the intelligence when you get quiet. I think that's why the meditation and going in nature I was just going to ask if you're a meditator, yeah, and how do you do it, and what do you use, and... I write, funny enough. Sometimes I'll sit and be quiet and meditate, but I I don't do it in the traditional sense. I don't, like, sit in in a position and light a candle, and Mm -hmm. if we can make our daily life a meditation, and our daily life bringing ourselves back to the moment, and when we're not in the moment, at least be visualizing something that we want, or thinking of something beautiful or looking beyond all the immediate things that are going on that appear to be quite dark and negative. Sort of looking beyond it because it's of our time. Mm -hmm. Everyone's had times. Everyone's had wars. Everyone's had crazy political times throughout history. If you just watch the news, all of this has been going on since the beginning of time in a a way. Game of Thrones, that's what I was thinking. Oh, yes, All you have to do is watch Game of Thrones and you realize not much has changed. (laughs) (laughs) The clothes are better. (laughs) You know, the cars are nicer. It's harder to find. Um, You know, certain things are changing. There's more balance. The cause and effect, the Me Too movement, you know, somehow now because we're having this interesting political time, Uh, good things are coming out of it. We're realizing we can't rely. It's like when you grow up and go, oh my God, my parents didn't know everything and I thought they knew everything. Mm -hmm. It's like we're realizing that way about politics in the world. Oh, I thought they were taking care of everything and they're not taking care. Okay, so we have to, as a group, come together and change, change it ourselves. Just like, you know, when we become teenagers and we get older, we're like, oh, my parents didn't know everything. I have to kind of figure these things out myself and reevaluate my learning. How good do you think most people are at that? It depends on on how much they go in search of it, you know, how much they have a desire to want to feel good. I always think it's common sense. It's a kind of common sense thing. Sure. I I just feel like there's a million different ways. Like everyone wants to feel good, but there's so many different ways of getting there and so many dark paths to Mm. feeling good. You know what I mean? Like, And that's what a lot of people do. Or some people just say, I live for Saturday night when I go to the bar with my friends or something. There's just so many different ways, but I think that what you're talking about sounds so much more sustainable. You have such a calming presence. You're like, mm. uh, like I feel like I just had a Xanax and a glass of white wine. Like this is I did nice. on the way here. No, I'm just kidding. I didn't. <laughs> That's why. Uh. <laughs> no, I'm joking. It's practice, isn't it? Like anything. And it's learned. Our worry is learned. A lot of why we do what we do is learned. And if we observe that, If we observe the human comedy, as you do so well, you realize who told you it wasn't okay to feel good? Who told you that worry was better than feeling good? Mm -hmm. Who told you that worry actually helps anything? Because it doesn't, it reinforces the negative. So anytime you're reinforcing a negative, there's your algorithm. So if you think of yourself like Pinterest (laughs) (laughs) or, you know, like any form of algorithm where if I choose that photo, they're going to give me 10 more of those photos. That is, I love that because it's such a great visual. And as somebody who's on Pinterest and as somebody who's getting served a lot of wedding ads right now, I can tell you, you do do one and then they find you. And I'm actually kind of loving it because they figured out my style and they're just sending me more of what I want. So that is a perfect description. And the universe does the same thing all day with all of our thoughts. 
So if you think, oh boy, I'm over here negatively, I'm, I'm, th- I'm worried about what's going on in the world, you think, well, that's just adding to the worry of the world. Why don't I come over here and visualize how I would like the world to be yeah. and how I want my world to look? And then you're over here adding to sort of the conscious collective of things. It's a conscious collective, mm-hmm. too. Algorithms and a collective of things. And just take your attention away from it. There's nothing you can do about a lot of it anyway. This has been so much Aww. fun. Thank you so much. I, I really enjoyed this. Me this too. So Me too. So thank to you. you. And good luck with everything. Oh, thank you. Aww. This you is so fun. I love talking to you. <laughs>